Easy now. Easy now. You meant to say easy now. No. Oh, is that what this is? Or yeah. whatever you want, really. Don't feel obliged. <laughs> is this some kind of uh, white guy thing? I just have no idea what's <laughs> going on. We started with that one. <laughs> uh, oh, man. <laughs> welcome, Raz. Thank you, thank you. Sorry, I didn't actually... I literally had no idea what was going on there. I was like, what are these two doing? Is this part of the act? Or? Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm really sorry. I've, I've let you down from the get-go. I never know what's going on in these podcasts. Should I, should I, I just rely on him. Yeah. So Should yeah. I leave? No, no, no please not stay. Yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Right, please stay. Anyway, guys, welcome back to the Drive Talk podcast <laughs> powered by Michelin. We are back at Podium Place in their roastery and we're joined by Mr. AMG. Raz from Remove Before Race. I know you guys on uh, pronunciation of things so yeah. michelin and i've heard you say Skoda. you got it we have to say amg in the proper germanic way oh go on then. So i'm going to teach you this today okay yeah so you know we got michelin you got Skoda, you got porsche bmv it is mercedes amage are you really? serious so i'm mr amage <laughs> amage <laughs> I, I might need to change that nickname so, uh, yeah. Is that really how they pronounce it? Yeah, because it's the way that I might get it. It might be slightly wrong and I'll probably get abused by some German commentators, but it's the way they say their alphabets. Okay. So when they're doing press talks in, in, in Germany, sometimes some of the guys can't talk English and they'll do it in German. And they'll, the first time I heard it, I almost like burst out laughing like a child. Wow. But um, yeah, that's literally how they kind I of... Don't, I don't get it. Can you say it again? Sorry. Atma <clears throat> Ge... Uh, only with you, mate. <laughs> oh, that's gold. Um, it's a real pleasure having you on, Raz. Uh, we've both known you for many years, and uh, I know we're going to delve deep into some of the amazing stuff that you do on Remove Before Race. We'll um, delve deep into a lot of strange things today, yeah, I think. Probably. I mean, it started that way, so we can only continue. Um, but yeah. No, it's a pleasure. It's, um, you guys are doing amazing on this, and uh, it's, it's been. I've only seen, listened to a few of your episodes, but. I love the camaraderie that you have and the guests you've had have been pretty amazing. So I hope I can kind of entertain your audience a little bit today. Yeah, we're hoping that's why you're here. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's hope. That's hope. Where do we start? Do you want to uh, actually, uh, how did you get into doing the whole YouTube thing? Just give us a kind of potted history. And, and for those of you know the guys who I, I can't imagine many of them wouldn't know who you are, but you know, you'd who, be surprised what, what you, what um, you do and how did you get into paint it? Paint a picture. Yeah. So I, I was always into cars from a very young age, uh, mainly thanks to, it's always family, I think, or often it is family who kind of influences you at a young age. And it was very much the case with me. My grandfather was massively into cars. He didn't used to earn much. And he was the first one actually came over from Pakistan. He actually drove from Pakistan. What? to the UK. I think it takes like two weeks or something. Drove a boat. And, and he did that a couple of times. No, literally in, in the car. Beep. Um, <laughs> I did clarify if I can swear. This feels, I feel so yeah, relieved. We said no. I can't, I can't we swear said on no. the channel. <laughs> we said not in the first 10 minutes because of YouTube. Well, and I've you, done it now. Yes. Twice. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Best guest ever. I've, I've ignored the intro and I've sworn in the first couple. Anyway. Yeah. So he drove. Um, and he was always into cars. He once famously ordered from factory at Opel Escona, I think, to like the spec he wanted. And back then you could order like a, a front bench with three seats and I don't know what it was. And he went with um, my dad and his elder brother to go and pick it up and drove it all the way back from Germany. Kind of like the stuff that we would do, right? Yep. Um, and then as he got older, my dad uh, would buy him a new, like a C-Class every year. And he'd barely drive it, but you'd see him outside famously with like a little, a singular little cloth, just like cleaning it. And you're thinking, what are you doing? You're not going to clean the whole, but he loved his car. So that kind of rubbed off on me. My dad was a huge car nut. Um, he was an S-class man, loved Mercedes. Joe, you would hate him. Um, <laughs> did, you just say, did you say he was a Mayfair minicab kind of guy? He looked like yeah, it in London, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't tell them apart. A brown guy driving an S-class in London oh, with see, a suit on. I mean, in St. John's Wood as well. Oh, oh my God, uh, you know? Um, but you know, all of that rubbed off on me. And then I started wasting all my money on cars as soon as I was able to do it. And I had nothing to do with the industry at that point. I was literally just a customer. Um, I used to actually prefer driving diesels. 
back when I was younger because I just thought they were they made more sense. But as I as Instagram and these other social networks started to boom, I just wanted to find a way that to catalogue my car journey that wasn't shoving it all into a photo album on my computer. So I saw Instagram and I thought, well, this is actually quite cool. I can like put it up and then one day I'll look back and be like, oh, that's cool. You know, I can track my car journey. And it just blew up from there because whatever I was saying or communicating and what I felt about the cars was resonating with people. And then I'm sure you guys went through this, that people start to goad you on that, look, you're not actually bad at this. You know, why don't you think about doing something? And at this time I was doing, I was running like an insolvency firm with uh, my dad and some accountancy stuff. And I just started doing it as a, as a side hustle, as you do. I mean, I don't think you guys are probably that dissimilar, right? In terms of no. main jobs, trying it on the side. Yep. So it was, it was a very similar type of, of journey. And then at one point I, I just said like, I've got to do this full time. Um, I can see that there's something there that if I put everything into it, literally every hour and minute I have, I can make something of it. <clears throat> and um, really that's, that's where it's spawned from. And since then it's just, there's a lot of other like, there's a lot of other pieces of time that I could almost point to and say, this is where the channel evolved. But that's kind of the origin, if you like, that it, it just spawned out of nowhere. I think it is that kind of almost and that you, you fall into it by accident. You, you might start it just as a bit of fun. Or, yeah. I like that, the cataloging. Back in the days when Instagram was where you put photographs. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you would meet so many nice people. Mm. Um, and the friends I have today on Instagram are still the friends I had what was it, eight years ago? I can't remember when I started. Um, because in between the whole algorithm thing changed and you know you don't really meet people anymore, I don't yeah. feel. Maybe now and then you'll find a gem here and there. But that community still remains. And that was the great thing about Instagram back then, that it was the place for photographers and for communities to kind of build. And I'm very grateful that we're actually so fortunate, the three of us and people like us, that we live in an age where if you excel at something, you haven't got the barriers to entry to get into that industry. If we were trying to do this 20 years ago, you know, forget about it. We'd have to work for one of these corporates. Um, and then we'd be a sideman in, you know, one of the big car magazines who, you know, would they get a chance? Would they not get a chance? Who knows? Yep. Um, and honestly, frankly speaking, and I, I mean to have this conversation with um, Chris Harris one day because he has some stories to tell. But for me personally, as like a brown guy working in the UK, it would be even more difficult. I've seen it in every industry. I'm, I'm not trying to be that guy, but it's much easier when you can put yourself out there and let the product do the talking for you and you're not beholden to someone else giving you a chance. And I think we're so fortunate of that. And that's what I really love about, particularly YouTube, I think. YouTube has hindered us the least as times progress versus all these other social networks that it's still the purest in terms of if your content is good you will rise eventually to the top you know the cream will rise so i think we're really fortunate um to be where we are i think yeah. we hit we hit a bit of a sweet spot timing wise though do you not think so it's so obviously the guys that came in really early doors your tims and paul wallace's and oh, those yes. types of things yeah. so then I, I guess we kind of came the, the the second wave almost but if you were now wanting to get into it mm. It's so competitive. And to start a channel now, often people say, oh, you know, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Honestly, would I start the journey that I've been on? Would I start it now? Probably, it'd be very difficult. The only thing I see that grows quickly these days is the short form stuff. So there's a couple of UK guys and girls actually that I've seen that do like snappy little short form reels and stuff and their audience grow really quickly. And I believe it's quite organic as well. But it's a very different audience to to what we've built up. And I'm sure we'll all agree that long form content is the content that is really important in terms of getting your 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 viewers engaged um, and also them learning about the product, whether it's a car or whatever it might be. I think there's nothing better than a long form piece of content. Um, especially something like, and I know we're going to talk about your editing shortly, but especially something like your explaining. I learn a lot from watching your videos um, because you, graph you you talk about it in a very good way, but you also graphically show, you could almost put it on mute and, and learn, yeah. learn just as much from watching all the stuff that you do. Um, and I think, yeah, we've all got our unique styles, 
But I think if there's anyone that is the most unique person out there in terms of how they shoot and film and edit their content, <laughs> it's, it's got to be you. Well, the word unique means is like one, right? Yes. And there is one of you. <laughs> I've not seen any. So when you... There was a few videos where there was a few of me. Well, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, even, even <laughs> that. But when yeah. you started, uh, and I'm sure I've heard you talk about this before, but you kind of wanted to make, have some... I think all of us, you try and find a style or, or you be yourself. And, and you obviously thought about it and thought, I'm going to make a style that, I mean, it's almost unrepeatable. It is. You, unless uh, you are an absolute ninja yeah. at, at video editing, what you do, and, and for the guys that haven't watched any of your long format content, you've got this incredible thing where you stand next to a car and then you drop in. If you're telling the story of an evolution, you drop in. Yeah, for example, three like dimensional if, images. Like, how how do you do that? If, if <laughs> so, give away your secrets. So, so just to explain, how in case anyone hasn't seen it, let's say we have a facelift of a three series, right? And there's a few things that have changed, and you can't really pinpoint what they are as a consumer, or maybe there's something under the skin that's changed. What I'll do is, while the car is standing there, I'll bring in the new car in the exact same spot. I'll strip away the skin. I'll show the engine. I'll show components, etc. And you'll be able to kind of see literally in the exact same spot what's changed. So it kind of engages you, which is great. And that's why we keep doing it like in every single video, uh, or at least the ones where it, I don't just do it frivolous. It's not, it's not a frivolous thing to repeat, but where it's apt, I will, I will kind of put it in. In terms of um, how I do it, it's literally man hours. It's literally just sitting in front of a computer on Photoshop um, and... For example, recently did a video about all the Porsches I owned. Um, I know you guys mm. are going to come on to this topic later. And I had to kind of go back and uh, reconstruct a number of cars that I had. For example, the Carrera 2S that I had barely any photos of. And it's not the fact that I find that exact angle. Like sometimes I do if I'm lucky or I can take the photo myself if I'm walking around somewhere and I see a car that I think might be of interest. But it's literally cutting off little pieces like or I'll cut off the wheel from that angle I'll cut off this part of the bumper no and I'll way. cut off this part of the hood and it's literally me sitting on Photoshop warping it onto where it should be and often what I'll have is I'll have a reference photo of a similar car or you know um, just something to base it off and now I've gotten so good at it that I kind of know without looking at a reference photo if I know a car well enough but I'll still have something underneath so like similar wheel sizes or similar car shape and I'll just it takes hours I just thought you had like a Raz angle that you took a picture of every car you've ever seen no. from that particular perspective so no. you just drop I mean, them on sometimes I'm fortunate enough that I do have that angle yeah. um, but even that because when I film the tripod can be in any number of places or the height might be slightly different or you know any slight angle on a car and the wheel can be that much smaller so I always have to modify it regardless of that, but it cannot look like it's not there. Um, the other big challenge often is moving backgrounds and other bits and pieces that you might not even consider to be an issue. But I need, I need to have a really controlled environment. And when you're on press trips and stuff, that's, that's quite a challenge as well to get that right. Yeah. But I really do find, I do think it's worth it. Um, the reason I started, I didn't start doing that from the get-go. So when I started doing all of this, like a lot of us, you look at, you know, some of our favorite presenters, like um, I always loved Chris Harris's stuff, as, as all of us do. And you kind of don't want to mimic or imitate someone. And I don't think any of us set out to do that. But in the early days, you find yourself putting on a Clarkson voice or doing something yeah. Harris-like, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? You, this is not yeah. you. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. No, I've done it. I've done yeah. the Clarkson in the world. Yeah. You know, exactly. Um, so early days, I was doing literally what everybody else was. And I've told this story a couple of times. I had my first ever press invite, which was a mega invite, to be fair. And it was the facelift of the C63 at Bilsterberg in Germany. And was that back in the day when they had V8s in them? That's when they had. Oh, 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 oh. How long are we in there? Oh, oh we're less than 20 minutes oh. in and he's done it. Oh, no. He's gone there. Jeez. Oh, wait, I shouldn't joke about four-cylinder cars around here, should I? Oh, all right, that's anyway. twice. That's two daggers. Yeah. We'll stick together, Raz. We'll have him in a minute. We'll have him, yeah. Um, Sorry. So it was, it was, We'll start talking about Tesla in a minute. Oh, yeah. oh we will. Yeah. I've got some things to say. Um, have so, you got any manual cars, by the way? 
I haven't, no. No. Oh, oh. you can drive a manual, though. <laughs> I can drive a manual. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have this conversation yeah, yeah, as well, yeah, though. Good. Oh, just, fun. Just, yeah. Fun, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, uh, Bill Stiverg. Yeah, Bill Stiverg. Mercedes, yeah. yeah. I can't, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, you mega press trip. Yeah, it was a great press trip. And we turn up as you are, like, you know, bright-eyed, starry-eyed. Let's do drone shots. Let's do this, that, the other tracking, as you do as a new person, realizing it's all a waste of time and you should just use the B-roll. But um, I spent a lot of time editing that. And I know you guys have been through this as well, where you, you dive into a video and you're like, man hours, man hours, man hours, this is going to be amazing. And it was slow. I look back today and it's done numbers, but back then it was genuinely slow. And I thought, what am I doing wrong here? I'm doing something wrong. And I realized, and I da it dawned on me that, why would I watch my content? Why would I just not go and bloody watch Chris Harris? I would. Well, like, what, what would draw me to go and see Raz? Yeah. And that's when I thought, right, I've got to do something that I like doing. And my background, although I used to run an accountancy firm, was always design orientated um, because my hobbies were all to do with computer graphics, art. That was my strong suit, um, which came from my mum. And since I was a kid, I was always drawing and always doing stuff. So in my teens, I would, I would create video games. I would do the art, I would do the coding. Um, and it was a, there was a, this old emulator on, um, not an emulator, game engine, sorry, on the PC called Mugen. And it was a fighting game em, uh, emulator. So you would create the characters, you create the backgrounds. And that was what I used to do in my, in my spare time. I would uh, spend okay. hours doing this. So all the pixel art, all the VFX, the coding, that was my background. And I thought, yeah. I love doing that stuff. Why can't I bring that into my car review somehow? There's got to be... Like when I talk about a car, I want to show the old Vantage next to the new Vantage. Mm. You know, I think that's engaging. I want to keep people watching. So I tested it. I actually did test it on the Vantage. I think it was the first video where we kind of gave it a go. And it did so well. And not only did it do well, I wanted to watch it myself, which is my litmus test for any piece of content. Do I want to watch it two or three times? Mm. People wanted to watch it. View time was higher. And it was just fun to actually sit down and do. And it made a difference from previously when I would do a video, they all kind of felt the same. That, oh God, I'm doing the same thing again. I'm talking about the same thing again. And it gets really mundane. Yeah. And why wouldn't it get mundane for a viewer? Yep. So the thing I like about it- Especially, is sorry to interrupt, yeah. especially with modern stuff that is all very samey as well. So well, you've not only got the same- Back then I didn't have that issue. Yeah. Now no. it's even worse, yeah. right? With EVs and I'm, we will get onto that, I'm sure. But- it, it does get extremely mundane. It's a blessing and a curse though, because of the sheer amount of hours that go into it. So the Spider RS unveil video that I did recently, it was mainly vloggy with a bit of VFX, but it still took me like five solid days. Yeah, five days. Yeah, literally. Wow. So, uh, so what? having watched that video, so each one of those cars that you drop into the video, yeah you've already spent a shed load of time in Photoshop creating that image. Yeah, correct. So Then you've got to drop it into the video to make yes. it look like it. And I guess you've got to do some tweaking and coloring and stuff. In yeah, there. so sometimes there's a big problem is reflections. Um, a lot of the three-quarter views that I've done in the past might have trees, and that's not just on the windows, it's on the paintwork. So I need to kind <laughs> of, you know... I'm, I, the one that took the longest, actually, was my Turbo S, uh, the black one because all the three quarter views I had, I thought, great, I've got three quarters of this car. It's not gonna take long. I'll just cut it out, paste it in and do my, you know, jig it around a little bit. Every single one had trees on it and on a black, gloss black car, forget about it. So I had, I had to get pictures of other Turbo S's and do that whole nonsense again on top of my car. And it took probably an hour and a half to do it. Um, and it looks wow. great at the end of it, but I think, I do worry sometimes that have the viewership gotten so used to me doing it that they don't realize just how long it takes to actually do it. Sometimes oh. I get my cameraman, Jamie, will be like standing behind the camera, just shaking his head going, shut the fuck up, Russ. Stop. <laughs> no. Don't do the history. No. Don't yeah. say, oh, he's done it. And I'll call him sometimes and be like, Jamie, I've, I've chatted too much shit, man. This is going to take like, it's not coming out on that date, you know? And, and this is what happens. I get a bit excited sometimes and talk too much, but I don't know whether the viewership understands quite how much time it actually takes. So it takes a hell I don't of a time. I think, I think we live in a world where, you know, we watch, I don't know, like a Pixar movie. Yeah. And, and, and those things take, yeah, 
hours and hours and hours per second to make. But we live in that world where you just think that's like, you know. Yeah, instant. Instant. Right? Especially so you, with AI and stuff, like I do worry whether people start thinking, "Ah, oh, he's probably just using AI to do it." Oh, that, yeah, but that's that's a that's a oh, it's AI. Yeah, correct. It's just people who don't understand what AI is. But you do watch it, and it, it's done so professionally. And I think it's like most things: if if it looks easy, it's probably not not that easy to make. Correct. Right? It just yeah. drops in, and it. I mean, I watched that one. Literally watched it um, over a cup of tea this morning um, before the your RS one with the, with the different cars that you've owned. And I'm sitting there as someone who edits, you know, videos now for a living, and my editing skills just are not even on the same planet. Probably not even in the same universe. It's just on another level. It's. It's. I think the the other blessing is that, like you said, it's difficult for someone else to come along and start doing it, which I'm quite pleased about because yeah, yeah. there are some big players out there. Particularly, oh, when you look at uh, the type of content that I make, though I'm usually called an influencer. I would always correct someone and say, no, I'm, I am an amateur, but I am an amateur journalist because my job is not here to influence you. I'm here to give you a very, you know, subjective view that I believe to be right with all the facts and figures. And then it's down to you. Yes. I'm not worked for one of these big companies, but that doesn't mean I'm not as credible as an amateur writer working for Autocar, for example. Um, so, and I don't know, I don't know if you guys struggle with this type of yeah attitude all the time uh and it's funny i was on a i was on a press thing yesterday and we had uh four different cars that we could drive on a, at a day event we had a two-hour driving window in the morning and mm -hmm. a two-hour driving window in the afternoon and the and we were at lunch and i was joking with a couple of print journals i went oh i wish i was a print journal today he went yeah it's great i've driven <laughs> i've driven two already and i did the long route you know and then he's gonna do so he lived on all four mate one of these days I, I will do the long route yeah yeah i've never days. done the long <laughs> I don't route know when ever. that day is yeah. um and, and i'm like well i've done one and yeah. you know and that for me ideally i'd have needed the car for a whole day minimum yeah. and i've done a whole video in two hours um so you, you do get that but i think i, I think there's a an acceptance and almost a kind of, um, I think there was a bit of a clash with the the print print yeah. journos and and what we do. I think I think there's much more of an acceptance now. And bearing in mind our audiences are probably bigger than some of these magazines audiences oh, yeah. by some way. One and far these, more engaged as well. I yeah, think. one of the things relevant, was, far more relevant. Relevant. They're actually people and, that are there um, looking to buy a car as opposed to people that have just been subscribe to Autocar for the last 25 years. Yeah. I mean, this is a really interesting topic actually, because not only do we have, we're actually reaching a, or we've gone past the second change in the industry. One was people like us coming into it, or even before that, people like Tim, et cetera, and uh, that era of, of uh, content creators. Now we've got the viral content creators coming in. And I know you guys mentioned the short form content being king for them. I've actually seen in my own experience that this viral stuff is coming into long form in a big way. Oh. And I've seen a lot of these, I think a lot of them are German influencers or European, and they're all doing this very same style. And I'm, I find the whole thing fascinating because it's almost like we're clashing with these newer people now, <laughs> kind of like the print journals are clashing with us because they, they are a totally different breed to what we do. We are still providing opinions on cars be it amateurish, be it, you know, whatever you want to throw at us in that, that's absolutely fine. But you've got this new era of people who they'll turn up iPhones, whatever. Some of them don't say a word. They will all do that, some, yeah, all this type of stuff. Of I'm not even going to talk about that. Mercedes. No, Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah. I am gay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a gay. Yeah. <laughs> made me say it again, didn't it? Um, but... There's people like that. They're all doing the same style. It's beautifully shot, a lot of it. It genuinely is like really nicely shot. Some of them do talk, but all you get are the positives. This is nice. Yep. Amazing. Wow. Brutal. The German influencers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Check it. every single title. Brutal. 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 <laughs> Mate, it's like a... It's a it's a Abarth with an electric exhaust note. It's not brutal, <laughs> please. You know, but this is the new era, and what the manufacturers are doing. These guys get mega numbers, right? They get like hundreds of thousands per video. They're saying nothing of use to the consumer other than 
the best points that the manufacturer want to put across. And it is essentially free marketing for the manufacturer. Yep. And I don't know how I feel about that because it's it provides no opinion. It's really one-sided and it's literally just a free marketing and advertising exercise. Mm-hmm. Yet they're kind of being pushed out as, hey, check out this great independent content about our new vehicles. Yep. Well, it's not really, is it? Because they don't provide any opinion on your vehicles. All they show is the best things and you guys are laughing. Yep. I think it's a... I think it's a it's, it's a short fix that, that, that like you said, the, the manufacturers and these press teams have all jumped on board. Uh, and, you know, I know that the traditional journalist or traditional person, like all of us, in fact, that have got an opinion, are uh, being sidelined for a few things because they'd rather use these yes men and yes women to come in. with EVs. With, uh, exactly. And there you go. And that just sums it all up. And... But unfortunately, that process and that strategy, if it hasn't already, is going to come and bite them in the arse because... I, I see it, it happening. It's already happening. I see it happening. And these men, honestly, these... But they all think they're... Because they it's, all, so, it's so replicatable, Joe. It's, it's, yeah. it's easy to like... If we gave up everything we did now and started doing that, yeah. we could do it. Yeah. No offense to these guys. They could probably do it better, but we could get pretty close. We could probably get pretty similar numbers, Right. But the problem is I'm seeing people prop up out of nowhere with maybe 3,000 followers and they're getting a million views per video yep. on short form content and maybe long form as well if they've started it. Um, so they're not protect- They're certainly not protected. They haven't got a style that's not replicatable. But the manufacturers will get found out. And do you know where I see it most? I see it when one is an unveil video, right? Where you're, it's a brand new car. Everybody wants to see the brand new car. Right, and you're on an even playing field. That great. I want to see the new electric M4, for example. Right, you put out a video, I put out a video, Top Gear puts out a video, and a bunch of influencers do even playing field. Fine. When it comes to the drive events, that's when you see the massive difference. Yeah. Because no one watches that content. Yeah. Instead of having their five hundred thousand views for an unveil video, they'll have twenty, thirty for a drive. Why? Yeah. Because no one wants to know what you think because you don't think anything. Yeah. You've got nothing of value to provide the viewer at that stage. Yeah, you can show what a nice car looks like at Unveil, but that's there's a limit to your depth. You're actually quite shallow in the content that you can provide. It's the depth. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's the depth. And driving at the end of the day is what this is all about. Yes, you know, I think you were saying this earlier, Pete, about, you know, Cars are static and it's, you know, we do all this, we spend all this time around static cars, but they are meant to be driven and it's all about driving. And at the end of the day, it is, if you can't provide something of value when it comes to actually driving the bloody thing, then what what are you even here for? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's for me, Joe, one of the things you're really good at is your, and actually if you look at, it's the same for the likes of, of Chris Harris or um, Tiff used to do it back in the day. Jeremy Clarkson was good is to describe what the car feels like underneath you yeah. and you know in the, the pros and, and and cons and you can only do that if you've got a feel for it but but that's that's the difficult bit right um it is but then i think that's where we we will stand the test of time a little bit there will come these kind of waves of different types of content but at the end of the day people always want to know what a vehicle drives like whether it's whether it's combustion or whether it's electric, the issue with electric is even for us then in that regard is that everything is becoming so samey, samey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is another part where I see the content changing as well and the production and how we have to present things because you see when a, a new EV is unveiled, again, it's fine. You know, it's a new car, unveiled, fine. You'll, you'll get a bit of traction. But when it comes to, you know, actually driving it, I don't think the content's doing anywhere, anywhere near combustion cars in terms of how well it does. No. Like there's a massive, massive drop off. Conversely, what I've found is, and I'm pushing the manufacturers to do this more, is that you need to give these particular EVs out for longer periods of time because what people actually want to know is not what it's like down a country road for a few days. Um, What they want to know is what is it like to live with for a good number of weeks. And that's when the EV story comes out and you're like, okay, this actually makes sense to me. This is how it charges. This is what it's like to live with. 
This is what it's like when you warm it up in the morning. You know, there's so many factors with these cars that are genuinely really, really good things. Yeah. And I did 25,000 miles in my Taycan Cross Turismo in a year, which is a lot, ignoring my other cars and picking that because it was a genuinely fantastic car. But I would never, ever be able to, to translate that element to you with a week's worth of drive. And this is where, for us, uh, in looking very insularly for a moment, it's a problem that we have to face going forward that what type of content do we even agree to do with the manufacturers when it comes to EVs? I'm not convinced that unveils are interesting anymore. I'm not convinced that first looks are interesting anymore. I'm barely convinced that first drives are interesting anymore. Mm. I said this, I, was, I said I was at an event yesterday, uh, EV first drives. Um, and I, I had a chat with a guy from the manufacturer afterwards and I said, you know, it was great. I enjoyed the car, but I was, I did a 20 mile loop and there's no way I can comment on efficiency, range, infotainment system, exactly. comfort of seat that I just can't do that. And, and because an EV, they're all on common platforms anyway, you basically, your driving experience is it's got instant talk and it, is it a fast one or a slow one <laughs> and how, how, how is it quiet or not? How good or bad is the steering? Yeah, no, and, is, and does it have aggressive one-pedal driving? And that, that's about it, really. Correct. Um, and I said, what I want is that car for at least a week. Yeah. I want to take it on a long journey. I want to see what the sat-nav integration to the charge network's like. I want to see what the what the ownership experience is like. Um, because that, at the end of the day, for people who are going to buy EV or go into EV... Talking about electric cars, you okay, Joe? Yeah, no, no. A moment. No, I was just sorry. Um, I was just mulling over what you said. <laughs> people that buy EVs. Well, I didn't think is anyone buying EVs. Well, at the okay, we'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> but but if if you are if you know that the, uh, there's plenty of evangelists out there, but you know if you are thinking of going into EV, bear in mind that's the way that the world is going. Right? These is are the it? questions people want to. Well, okay. <laughs> The powers that be would have us. See, here's me. Look, I'm, I'm going to be now. Should we get into this one then? It's probably quite. I think we should. Yeah, yeah. I think we're like we're itching. To do I mean, it is, yeah. it, for us, it is it is a challenge to make to make content on cars that um, don't excite the bones that 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 you know that used to excite us. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think um, we all had a little chat off camera earlier on. It's always dangerous when. When you're excited you to see each the, other and you're like, stop talking I think you're stopping these two because we had so many good little... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there was this... There was this uh, do you remember the shisha thing you said? Yeah, well, yeah. Because we, well, we, we normally have a beer, but you don't drink. Right? Yeah. So I made some comment about, oh, we'll have shisha then. Yeah. And I was like, I have an issue with shisha because it's just a bunch of grown... It's usually brown boys, to be honest. Like, bro, let's, what you do is, yeah, let's all sit around the table, yeah? You get the pipe, you suck it, and then give it to me. And then I'll suck it, and then I'll give it to Javed on the side here, and he'll suck it as well, yeah? And we'll have a banging time, bro. <laughs> so I don't actually do shishas. You can imagine. You could have fooled me. Yeah. Oh. That, is yeah like, so that is like the best exit that's ever. Why, that's why I was... <laughs> That's and why that I was, was telling was them the to like, let's, let's be quiet. Leave. I've got some ammunition here. Let's use it in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, uh, what were we talking anyway, about? I can't uh, even remember anymore. Get, I think EVs. We, EVs for about five seconds. We got so bored, we went under shisha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think EVs. Uh, so I've been out in Australia recently. Have you? Um, I didn't yes. realise that. I didn't know and, that. Uh, right? yeah. I'm, 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 and, uh, it's just nice to see. You. I haven't seen you for a month. I know. And you know, know. where's your tan? I thought you'd have like well, a tan. Oh, you know, I've been home for a week in this glorious weather, so I've lost it all. Um, but it's been. Um, and so I've kind of seen what's going on out there. Uh, and is the market very different? The market is very different out there. Um, it, it is and it isn't. So there are, the brands like Volkswagen are, are actually a bit of a joke in Australia now. Really? Like as in literally people are just like, why would you buy one? Because it used to be a status symbol, right? It used to be. When I lived out in Australia 20 years ago, having a Volkswagen Golf Mark IV or something was like about the coolest car you could have, as it was actually in most, you know, so it was, it was a real brand. It was a, it was a, is it a classless brand? Is that what you'd, it would, it's a car or a brand that you could, anyone could own. I think the Golf GTI was always something yeah. you could turn up to Buckingham Palace in, or you could, you know, do, you could do whatever you wanted. Well, that's what it was always meant to be, VW, wasn't it? It was the people's car. The people's car, exactly. But I think the the modern stuff, uh, the way it's priced, the 
delivery of the product, the infotainment, all this stuff that it's it's it, but it's really sad to see. And and so I think out there they've got a massive influx of Chinese brands like uh, BYD. Built, the, there's built something budget. like twenty Chinese car brands that we'll have never heard of. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and there'll be twenty five tomorrow. Yeah, um, and, and you know the interesting thing is that the the build quality, from what I've seen, is not actually that bad at all. No, and their and warranty, the, the technology generally, their EV technology in terms of efficiency, yeah, brilliant. It's not like the olden days where I I barely sit in a new car, and I remember reading old articles where you'd be like, oh, well, you know, this dashboard is like this, and this is a bit creaky, and the steering's a bit shit, and the suspension's a bit bad. Yeah, and that's probably describing a Tesla today. Yeah, but. <laughs> But generally speaking, you know, other cars that are made by proper manufacturers are really well put together. I yeah. mean, most of them are built like tanks because everyone's caught up. Everybody understands how industry works now. And I think, you know, the traditional manufacturers, particularly with regards to EVs, are probably shitting it looking at the Chinese market, which, which is why that I think from what I can't remember any particular article, but I have seen waves of kind of, oh, should we start charging taxes on these Chinese cars to keep it? competitive for you know uk and european car makers which i actually think is a bit of a farce i think i think one of the problems is that the the, the all-electric chinese brands have started with a clean sheet of paper yeah and they've gone ev from the ground up and the traditional manufacturers are almost retrofitting electric into their into their yeah. old way of doing high things. production costs i mean in some cases literally like the first gen mini electric was engine out crate right. motor in batteries yeah. where the fuel tank was EV. Yeah, many of them. I mean, uh, X3 did that. Yeah. EQC was based on the GLC. Yeah. Um, very similar. And they were all super inefficient, yeah. you know, because of that. But even now, even if you do a, you know, from ground up version of an EV and it's, a, let's say, a brand new VW from the ground up, you're still on an even playing field with a Chinese manufacturer, yeah. whichever way you look at it. Because yeah. your heritage of knowing, you know, I mean, modern suspension systems and modern steering systems, everything's on a kind of EV, everyone's you know, very close to each other, right? Unless it's like Porsche versus BMW versus Audi RS versus AMG, and you're looking at the nths and tenths, then some are really good at some things. Generally, for a normal car, these systems are all bloody good these days. So, And they're all cross-platform, most of them anyway. Yeah, so you, when you look at what is unique about your brand and all the things you've learned over these decades of being such a massive manufacturer, what can you bring from that into this? Apart from design and things, there's not actually a lot no. that they can stand out on. Um, but then the price of these things is astronomical now. Mm. And then when you look at these cheaper Chinese cars, they're basically doing the same thing with you know similar build quality, but like half the price. Like, how are you going to sell them? Mm. Yeah, and how can you physically compete? Um, so just going back to Australia quickly. So what the Germans have had to do over the past couple of years is introduce things like five-year warranties. So if you buy a BM, a Mercedes, or an Audi, you get five-year warranty in Australia, which I think you should have got here forever because the fact that someone like Hyundai and Kia have turned up and offered five and seven-year, and you've got Mercedes or any BMW, whatever, and they're all like, yeah, we've got the best products in the world, which they tend to have, but they can only put three years of warranty behind it. It's a bit rubbish, them. isn't it? I mean, yeah, it I is, turned but... up in my GT Black Series today and it turned two years old a few weeks ago. Yep. In less than a year, I won't have a manufacturer warranty on that car. Can you imagine? <laughs> it sounds mad to even say it. How can they not stand behind that? You know, and me, look, we, we are fortunate that we know people in manufacturers, right? And if, if the shit hits the fan, I'll be able to pick up a, a phone and like sort something out. But what about the average person? Yeah. You're going to have to pay some astronomical, you know, extended warranty nonsense to increase your already high living costs yeah I, I don't get why so i did a thing with ferrari a couple of weeks ago and so that you you get seven years servicing with the new ferrari and in the uk a four-year warranty mm. and and then you can extend that four-year warranty to a total of that 15 years i think on a ferrari and then it goes into a different program completely mm. but you look at what that did to ferrari residuals and the if you like the um attractiveness of Ferrari ownership. No doubt. Unbelievable. And Absolutely. residuals especially. But I don't understand. They've been doing that since like 2008. And I can't understand why other manufacturers in that, not just in the supercar space, but you look at Hyundai and Kia, like you said, seven-year warranties or yeah. five-year warranties. And it's it's part of that ownership thing, right? It is. I wonder um, if it's fear. I mean, well, the, the, the interesting thing with Ferrari talking to them, they didn't just say, we're going to do seven-year servicing. And they... they designed the car mm. f for that process so that's right. why they don't have carbon fiber 
tubs and all that kind of stuff because they if you crash a ferrari it's mostly an aluminium construction it's it's fixable and they can get the car back on the road and they can they can service the warranties and stuff right. at least that's what that's their their argument for it yeah um but yeah i i i just don't i don't get it well, i think pricing as well um so in it australia's i would say in many ways uh it's probably about four or five years behind us with the whole ev thing so at the moment guess what their governments are pushing him and giving them incentives and all the rest of it which our ones were doing a few years ago uh and and also they've got price points uh which i know we've still got with our benefit and kind and stuff but a similar thing for company car tax um and i did a lot with bmw out there and to be fair bmw uh, managed to so their their lower end uh evs so like the i4 e-drive 35 the ix1 ix2 um, they've managed to price them below the $90,000 threshold, which is £45,000 because it's two for one at the moment. Um, and actually, when you convert those cars, they've managed to price them about 15% cheaper than we can get in the UK, which has never happened in with a German manufacturer in Australia, in Australia because right. of luxury car tax, import, you know, all the costs that are involved. They've Massive. always been more expensive. So they're really trying to get these cars below this price point to make it sort of incentive to, to to the end user but again you do think well you are squeezing a lot out of that car and you know at that price point it's they can't be making that much money um but they're really trying hard to make it to make it work but what in two years time the government out there will then turn around and go you're not getting any you Undoubtedly. Know, you're yeah. not getting any it would just be the same it's going to repeat um and i just think yeah the price points are I mean, I had an i5 M60 xDrive. Uh, in fact, it's going back, getting picked up right oh, now. Oh, you love that car, didn't you? Well, <laughs> <let's see>. <laughs> <laughs> so we were Raz and I were at the we press drive yeah. uh, yes. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and and listen, I don't dislike the car. I dislike the price. I can't justify in my head that that very ordinary looking five series is worth what it what it's meant to be worth um the one i had was what well, was 198 grand base 119 grand as optioned and for that you still get rubber door cards on the top and nasty plastics here and i just in my head i just can't understand that where where you know they also we're also told about electric cars and the fact that they don't have many parts it hasn't got a thumping v8 yeah, twin turbo it's that. just it's got just some electric some motors. motors and so how where's 120 where is my 120,000 pounds no one's spending that are they no one's going in i hope no one's going in and saying here's my 120 grand it's still uh, aimed at the company car user and you know and it still makes sense for them in many ways as we know with all the premium stuff and the Taycans and all the rest of it um but it just yeah I don't know I just I felt very that car was ridiculously fast it's a nice interior it's a new five series um but it I just it didn't set my life on fire um, I, I really like that car when I drove it Ride quality. Um, ride quality is good. Ride quality is good. It was very quick for a heavy car, very dynamic. Um, which again, coming back to modern components, they're so good. And BMW, to be absolutely fair to them, are very good at getting a heavy car to drive correctly. Yep. So I enjoyed the drive. I love the interior because I love the interior of the 7 Series. My kids loved it as well. Really theatrical, um, but without literally, knowing, Yeah, <laughs> theatre in the back. Literally. Yeah. But I think up to a point where it's kind of, okay, I can understand the uses for these and it actually adds to my life. Well, I'm the same as you but the price point did irk me. And I'm thinking, I wonder what a 520D would be like. I'm sure I'm going to get 99% of the car. Yep. Um, with, you know, 60% or maybe even less of the cost. Well, five, the 520i M Sport is 51,000 pounds. So it's exactly go. half price. There you go. And I mean, but, but it's like how? <laughs> I, just, I just cannot. Under, but to be fair, and I think at the end of the day, all of these manufacturers are beholden to the customer, right? And when these cars roll off the forecourt after, there is a big incentive of buying a new EV at the moment with a rollover relief of whatever it is, 100K or whatever it might be. So a lot of companies getting into cars like that car, right? Because it is a good incentive to save on tax temporarily, etc. But when it comes to your average consumer, when these cars come on the market, guess what happens? They come to the point that they should be at. 
Yep. Because you cannot dictate what the price is going to be on the used market. There's so many examples of this. The best of the EVs, if we're talking performance EVs, is the Taycan. I think that's pretty much undisputed. The benchmark. And the value of the Porsche brand in terms of used cars is much higher than all the other German marks as well. So if the Taycan is struggling, which it is at the moment because of the way the market is, um, I sold my Sport Turismo not long ago and I had to put in quite a bit of money, you know, around about six, seven K negative equity to get out of it. And it was a low mileage car at the time. Um, I knew of cars that the dealership were picking up later on that were 20, 30 K miles and almost half the, the cost of the car. I mean, can you imagine uh, one of the best examples that, that I could give you is there's this EQS 53, which is 180,000 pounds. What? Okay. It's probably similar in terms of speed to the, to the I-5 that you drove. Right. Okay. Putting that in perspective yeah. for a minute, right? Yeah. Sorry, did you say 180 grand? 180,000 pounds right. for an egg with an AMG grill on it. Amage grill on uh, it. Am- Amage. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the real Amage. That yeah. one. Is that you from Yorkshire when you do that? Amage. <laughs> yeah, <isn't it>? yeah. <laughs> um, now, when that car, you look at it at the used market, they're close to like 50% less, but that's retail cost, remember? Right? When someone actually thinks, right, I'm actually going to put money down for it, I can't see anyone paying more than 100K for that car. And then wow. there's a similar one, which is the EQE 53, which is much cheaper because it's the EQE and not an EQS. And that that's probably in the 70s rather than being 120. Mm. And how, how do you sign a- the finance agreement with a crayon? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. But the point is, the point here is that the customer is what will eventually dictate what the price mm. of the car should be, whether it's an EV. I find that even, I don't know, Joe, if you've had the courage to look at the M3 touring market. Yes. It's awful. It is. Yeah. It's like it's like really bad. And that was a car that even three months ago was still not going for overs, but people were like, oh, I want one. but I, And now suddenly it's like, oh, you want one? Go on to Auto Trader. There's 40 there. Yeah. And some of them are below 75 and, grand. And that is a universally acclaimed car. Yep. You know, it's probably the best daily you can buy as a performance car at the moment. Um, nothing really comes close to it. It's almost like a a 911 wagon it's that good but that does not save it from being priced wrong it's the same with like if we put my amg hat on look at the new sl it is an amazing amazing roadster it will destroy most other drop tops out there it's genuinely such a fun dynamic hot rod of a name of a car great looking car as well and it's so loud like it's 2016 loud the new gt very similar but even more dynamic right the 63 versions of these cars, like 160, 170 grand, which yeah. was the price of a GTR Pro limited edition car three, four years ago. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean the car is bad. It means, like you said, the price is just wrong. But when they come on the used market, they will come back to the right price. So these manufacturers are simply going to learn the hard way that you cannot price these things in the stratosphere like Lamborghini can. You know, Ferrari can potentially. They have the brand value to be able to back it up and the low numbers to do it. But, you know, you can't sell an EQS 53 or 180 grand and try to convince your customer that they're going to have money left. And is that, what do you think that is? Is that, is that cost of, 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 of the things that you need to make the car, whether that's cost of batteries, cost of raw materials, whether they've gone up and they'd argue that with, you know, things like the Ukraine war and COVID and, and all of these types of things, or do you think it's the fact that the world's gone PCP mad and people are only interested in what the monthlies are going to be so they can hide this massive price tag of a car in some kind of finance? They rate. can't even do that now, can they? With finance it's rates, the, you can't hide anything. Finance rates yeah. at the moment are insane, aren't they? Just, I yeah, mean, crazy. a year and a half ago, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's what they were counting on, that let's price these cars to the stratosphere, nice big balloons at the end of it, you know, fairly normal interest rates. People will jump into them for three or four years. These days, like when I jumped from my Cross Turismo to my Sport Turismo, which was a year and a half in between, my Cross Turismo with a 10% deposit was costing me about 1,100 quid a month with Porsche Finance, which is is okay for a 110 grand car. The same price Sport Turismo was costing me 
almost sixteen hundred pounds a month. Wow! And I bet you today that would be two two grand. Or that was fairly recent. That was, was fairly recent, but the the point it would be actually higher, right? Yeah. The, the rates have gone up, and they te- they seem to go up every other month. Um, and that's just the interest rates. You pair that with the astronomical cost of these cars, and you're just onto a lose lose situation. I think it's it's interesting. Uh, we've talked quite a lot in recent podcasts about used car values, EV used car values, especially. Um, and the market, as we've just kind of touched upon, is it is it's collapsing very quickly for a number of reasons. Interest rates, the the the, the fake sort of high atmosphere that we had around COVID and stuff. Mm. Yeah, this whole strong. We've never had strong used car market in the UK, but we did for a we couple of years, yeah. only because of only because of covid right so so we've had this fake bubble which was gonna pop and it has popped and i think some of the if you look at to me anyway the 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 benchmark cars uh brand is Porsche. their benchmark cars are their gt cars yeah and they're in in our lifetime they're never ever going to lose value i, I believe because they're just brilliant they're always gonna hold strong and, and increase in value but again they were overinflated about 12 months ago ridiculous and now even those have started coming down and i think if if the most if the pinnacle of all cars the car that we all look at and go that's a benchmark that's the car that's gonna be a good investment if that's starting to float down and cars like the taycan as well best electric car out there if they're just rock but you know everything else. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot, actually. You're right. There's a lot of in those types of cars that will give you the indication. I think we've actually, we had a bubble yeah. that was artificial. And, yep. you know, the traders and the dealers are all right about that. But we've gone well beyond the norm now. We're well under, I think. Look at typical, uh, like great cars, like you said, GT product is a good example. I'm reliably told that the amount of four RSs, which was such a rare car, right? Yep. yep of the allocation of those coming this coming year are going to be quite strong. And you already see, I don't know if you've seen recently the price of those that slowly coming down quite, yep. quite significantly. And that is a rare car yep. and it's an amazing, it's one of the best cars you'll ever drive. If that's dropping, how many GT3s we were saying off camera, how many are there on, on oh, traders? Yeah. That's insane. Right. Yeah. And pure supply and demand is going to dictate that the price is going to come down. G wagons were going for, 2030k over list they you can barely sell them at list at the moment in fact they're they're actually under list at the moment because mercedes are now throwing money at that car um which never happens because it's a g-wagon and it's rid to be fair with that car the, the new one is right around the corner and the market is a lot smarter than than all of us or the manufacturers so everybody knows let's just wait but it is still regardless an indicator of, of what's going on look at the the turbo s it was going for 20, 30K. Again, over list, 220, 240, whatever it was. Now you can barely sell one for 150 from what I understand. Yeah. And if that's not an indicator for the <laughs> Another car you market, got out of at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, man. I'm actually quite good at this, aren't I? Can, so while, while, can we have a slight shift in subject? Because uh, there's no way that you're going to get off this podcast without telling me or us a little bit about the car that you revealed it's literally the I saw the video this morning. Yeah, the Spider RS. Yeah, um, git, git. <laughs> Which you know, I was the same as you with every one of these. I'm a, can I swear again? Am I allowed? Yeah, yeah oh, mate, we've yeah, given yeah, every one of these. Oh, that, gets that, a oh, that, oh, that word. Oh wow. Oh no. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's definitely not me. <laughs> every one of these twats who gets a yeah. GT product car, right? And I hated all of them, as you do, because all of us, like I said in the video, we all jump on. A Porsche configurator, yeah, with our favorite or all of the the, the GT product cars, and we yeah. spec our favorite car, right? And yeah. I'll send it to Joe or I'll send it to you. I'll be like, oh, "What do you think? What do you think?" Yeah. I know I've got no chance, but it looks flipping nice, doesn't it? So we all do that, and we hate the people who get the cars. Um, and for me, it was like I explained again. I, it's been a ten-year journey, although it hasn't really. I did buy the first one ten years ago, which was a. I mean, the 991 is still such a great car, and particularly the Point 1. I know the Point 2 was so much better, but the naturally aspirated Carrera S and the Point 1, it's just you you don't have to drive fast in that thing to enjoy it, and 90% of the time it's as good as the 992. I still miss that car, and mine was in this beautiful blue color. Um, Look, I'm already getting a 
starry-eyed about it, aren't I? Um, have you got any tissues he's going to stop yeah, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe you didn't know what the blue colour was, Raz. That's, I, I, that's, that's, that's the only thing I've ever seen you Gentian go, Gentian blue, is it? I No, it wasn't. And I, and I actually put the reg in to a number of these paint shops and it comes out blue. <laughs> so I am it's not. We didn't need I, to get it resprayed then. <laughs> exactly. So I, I would love to know if anybody else, and I put it in my video, if anyone, anyone knows what that it was a launch color for 991.1. So somebody somewhere has to know. Yeah. I just like to know for my own sake. But yeah, the spider is. Um, it was a 10 year kind of work towards it. I lost money on a number of cars. I always, I always didn't mind doing that because I always wanted to give the cars back to the dealership and be like, look, I'm a team player. I know you guys like to have a second bite of the cherry, which I totally understand. So let's play the game here, right? If you want to have the cars back, have the cars back. Give me some nice cars when and if you can manage to give them to me, I can make some content and everybody's happy, right? GT3 came out, GT3 RS came out. I have genuinely no interest in these cars. I love them to pieces, but in my personal situation, I've got the GT Black Series, which is the fastest car, track car in the Nürburgring, ignoring the Manthai stuff, which is a little bit cheating, I yeah, think. Yeah. Right. Um, it is an incredible car and, and a feat that AMG has, has achieved, which they'll probably never, ever achieve again because it doesn't seem like they're interested to. And great looking car. It's oh, the first time I think I've seen yours in real life. I think so. I was thinking about this. It today. It's, it's the Batmobile. Yeah. yeah. So I had your, I had the old M3 CS, which I thought, okay, that's very Joe appropriate. I'll bring that. But then I thought, no, let's not. Let's show him, let's show him a proper car for once. <laughs> show him what he's missing, you know? Yeah. Oh, the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah. This one. But. Yeah, I, I, I did want to have duplication. I don't want to get a 3RS just to get a 3RS and post on Instagram that, hey, look what I've got that you can't get, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted a car that I myself would be really happy with and I would live with, use, and keep, you know, potentially forever, which is my goal with it. And I loved the 4RS because that process air intake sound with the mm. GT3 engine, um, just everything about that car just, just feels right. I love the mm. fact that the interior is so reduced it's a tiny screen and there's nothing for you to do in there but drive. Yep. And the Spider is just an even more extreme version of that, uh, where it takes seven years to take the roof on and off, which is great. And I, I don't know, it just it just seems to tick all the boxes for long-term ownership for me. Best cup holders in the world for your cost, cost I mean, for your podium, Podi yeah. podium place. Yeah, we're, we're trying, trying to upgrade him here. To be fair, I like, I'm getting sick of the high street brands. I'm trying to buy myself a nice machine at home so I can stop wasting on money on it. You can buy your beans here. I was going to ask you about that. I was genuinely going to ask you about that. I need to get some nice beans when the, I the, buy a machine. really nice coffee. In fact, I can see a whole bunch of STG coffee over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that? I don't know. So what do you guys think of the, the Spider RS? Have you, because you guys had a bit of a, an experience behind the scenes. Well, Joe's going to take the mic now because I did drive it, but just in the dark up and down the hill for a bit. I did red redline it like twice. So this was this thing at Goodwood that you guys Yeah, the most expensive shoot with. in the world ever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've not driven one apart from that, but the 4RS, yeah. I, just, I just think they're just mega things. They're very loud, whether that would grate after a while on a drive tour or something, because they are I, really loud. I've heard, particularly if you get an exhaust, it's unbearable. Um, I don't know whether you, why you would need to put an exhaust on I, it. I have stop a friend who did it out, really. um, in, uh, I think he's in Brunei, and he regretted he took it off immediately. Well, yeah. um, but it's loud enough. I think it's like Andreas Pruninger said, it's, it is a, it's a mountain bike for the weekend, and he's right. It's not your the only car that you're going to have in your arsenal. And if you think it is, then... I think you're going to be a little bit disturbed using it every day. I mean, I am. I I've got a Boxster, and I love the that size and format of car. So when when Spider RS came out, I the just, six cylinder six cylinder sound. I mean, just, it's just <laughs> yeah. so many things right that make up a Boxster. No, I've got yeah. the smaller smaller cabin one. Oh, oh yeah, right, the four. Yeah. yeah. Did you um, hear about? I don't want to talk about four cylinders. Funnily enough. No. Why? Oh, yes, because yeah, yeah, right. we don't. Can we won't go there. Yeah. Wait, can anyway. we just quickly talk about the cabin? Just, I, no. I'm sure the listeners change are, the topic. I'm sure the listeners are <laughs> familiar, but just in case Raz might have missed All your right. YouTube video All on right. that, I compared my 718 box to GTS, the two and a half liter four cylinder one, yeah. with the four liter six cylinder one. Okay, and I was convinced the cabin sizes were different because I didn't fit in the four the four liter one. Really, but. I, I might have just got the seat in the wrong place, maybe. Or maybe like... Um, it, I just could not... I had it for a week, I, uh, for three days. I just could not get in it. 
and be be comfortable. So he told the internet that the cabin sizes were different. And then (laughs) then the internet told me that they weren't. Maybe you just felt a bigger man in the six done, cylinder. What I should have done was <laughs> what I should have done was some research, but I didn't. I just went with my gut feel, which is normally what I do, and I was wrong. So yeah. anyway, going back to the spider. Sorry, right. sorry, yeah. Beautiful looking car. I just the, the mega things. Yeah. Um, so oh. I would like to uh, I watched your video and went, Oh, Porsche have got their they've got a past demonstrator now. I'm on the <laughs> yes. email to Porsche yeah, they, this they, afternoon. They didn't let me um actually drive it. That, that, to be fair to them, they said, Look, have it but don't drive it because monkey gets the first go in it. Yeah. So I was going to leave Chris a little note in there, but I just didn't have time. Uh, just saying, you know, hello to the original influencer or go, something just to piss him off. <laughs> go, go into that, that. though. Um, I watched a, a Chris video um, last week, and and it's almost like now that kind of Top Gear is not going to happen again, it's almost like he's had this rebirth. He just seems like he's had a he, weight back. lifted off him. He's back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That M- are you talking about the M2 video? Yeah. Yeah, and his language and everything. Yeah, it's like, it, was just, it, was it was just like... There is no there BBC is. there anymore, yeah. is there? There but, he is. Corporate Chris is gone. Yeah. Chris I think Harris we all, found, we all found that. And I, I have no doubt that it would have been um, something difficult for him to kind of balance. Yeah. That, you know, he really probably wants to be himself, but then he's... It is a fantastic opportunity, whichever way you look at it. And he made the best of it that he could. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, the camaraderie, you know, going into it was actually pretty good. Um, but it's so nice to have just unfiltered Chris back. Yeah. The best stuff he's ever done was still the Chris Harris on car stuff he oh, did the before best. he went to Top Gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That the Holy Trinity video he did, that was just oh. like the best thing ever. Everything he did. Yeah. He did this amazing one. I loved it where he put four space savers on the C63. Yes. Uh, 204. How good was that? What a video that was. Yeah. Big thanks to, uh, there was actually the person who came up with the idea was um, Rob Halloway of Mercedes-Benz ah. Press, um, who said, look, let's get Chris to do something. He's a hell of a guy. He's yeah. actually head of global marketing for Mercedes-Benz now, which I'm really pleased right. about. But yeah, that was a mega, yeah. mega video, wasn't it? And our RS3 versus M135i back in the day, that's a video that, yes. that video inspired me to get an M135i, which inspired me to start my channel. It's funny, w- isn't Along it? with Chris, I guess. And uh, But yeah, just those little... I think that video made put so many sales on the map for BMW. He, he still has that massive, massive influence, and I'm sorry yeah. to use the word, um, on everyone. Because you and I could drive the M2, and we did, and we were like, this is a really, really good car. Yeah. And the speculation and the hate and everything that you'll get in the comments, despite us, I think we actually have quite positive viewerships. Yep. Right. But still, there was a lot of hate for liking that car. And then Chris comes the next week and is like, yeah, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And suddenly the entire market changes. Yeah. And they're like, yes, we love this car. I'm going to go and order one right yes. now. And you're just sitting back there thinking, you little shits. Yeah. What did we say any different? But that's Chris. And he's got the experience and everything to back what he says, right? But it's funny because just uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm conscious of time here. Um, but just uh, that clip where he talks about the fact that it's only jaded f87 owners and i'm an f87 owner uh that don't like the new one and that was shared on i can't remember the name of the instagram it's a big bimmer uh like uh, instagram channel and so they shared that clip and i went through some some of the replies underneath and the amount of jaded people and you click on their profile and guess what they've all got f87s and it's but it is so true it's the it hate yeah. it's always the hate and it's like when i went from my initial audience m lights m135 eyes m140s love them still love them today and then i moved into the m2 and suddenly there was forums that were like hating me because i'd moved away and i'm sure you've had the same with amg every day still it's, now it's like i'm in the same brand i it's not i don't like the m140 anymore i've just decided to go to the m2 but no oh no There's, m140 owners don't there, like there was me. a great quote by um american journalist johnny lieberman uh, and i use it so much he's probably sick of me tagging him in but he said loving a car is cool but loving a brand is really weird right because let's say like I, I do all the car brands, which is why I call the channel Remove Before Race and not Mr. AMG or yep. some bollocks, right? And the reason for that was I want to try everything because you're meant to be, you know, as honest as you can be. But I get the comments all the time. Why are you driving a BMW? Why are you saying it's nice? Why are you driving a Porsche? You're meant to be AMG and all this this kind of thing. But the cars are only as good as the cars actually are. Like if the car is good, I'm not going to say a force in the C63 is good if it's just not the product that it's meant to be. 
Yeah. But I will say the M3 is 10 times better because it genuinely is. So loving a brand is genuinely weird. Being completely loyal to a singular brand or a singular car model in difference of everything else is an absolutely weirdo thing to do. Yeah. But loving a particular car out of that brand to death is absolutely fine. You you can do that, but don't shit on everything else because it's, it's just weird. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, in short, I get the exact same thing in the comments, but I think it's normal and you kind of brush it off that, you know, this is part of it. But hopefully yeah. we can educate... I never, I'm not like you, Joe. I don't jump on the comments and start tearing people a new one. Oh, mate, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very, very conciliatory and be like, look, I don't know if you're having a bad day, but think about it this way. Maybe there's more out there in the world that you might enjoy. Cause I certainly did discover that yeah. as I grew up. So maybe you got a bit of growing up to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? Kiss, kiss. In the last couple of years, I have, uh, I've, I've really stopped doing that. I either delete comments, block. You can't block YouTubers now. You can't block YouTube can you channels. Not? No, which really upsets me. Because can you can you mute them? You can mute them, but then they're still watching your content, and that annoys me sometimes. But, oh, I love that. But, That's my favorite thing to do. I I, I think because I I struggle uh, various means of mental health and stuff, and 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 then I've got to stop and put my shoes in there uh, or put my feet in their shoes and just think. Wait a second, maybe they're going through a challenging time. Um, or whatever it could be anything or maybe they're just that c word that you used earlier on um most likely uh so i've got a so I've, i kind of do st stop and stand back now and i am a lot more i, I might just go oh well, i hope you i hope your weekend improves or you know yeah. something I'll just send like a bell emoji or something <laughs> bell emoji bell and then an end is <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. The end one is talking cool. of ends that was um, a, did you I, see that link that was amazing, that was amazing. Segue, yeah it? It, was, it was really really good um <laughs> Raz, uh, you've been amazing. It's been awesome knowing you over the years and uh, and I love your content. And honestly, guys, if you're not familiar with this guy, then you're obviously living underneath a rock. Um, but check out Remove Before Race and, and his Instagram. You, um, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been fascinating talking to you. Really interesting. It's gone by super quick, hasn't it? It does go past super quick. Yeah. yeah. We but could have talked for hours. We could easily do another one. Yeah. But before we go, don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, please give us a subscribe because that really helps the channel. And if you're listening on one of the audio platforms, uh, give us a like, follow the channel, give us a rating. All and if you come from one of my channels, make sure that you're doing the same. And for their respective YouTube channels, please, guys. Oh, yes. Come there again. you go. Right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, Legend. Yeah. Thank big you. thanks to Podium Place and big thanks to Michelin. Or Mich Michelin. Michelin. I'm not going to say it. Stop it. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>